Hey guys, welcome to episode 56 of Bono Stuff. Uh, really excited to share this one with you. Stephen Horney, the first third time guest, uh, competing with Evangelos Papas, my, my professor there for repeating guests. I think they're going to hopefully do a few more episodes over the next few months with us. I'm excited for all that. Again, this conversation was super fun. It's one of the longer ones we're putting out there, close to 90 minutes. So if you want to hang in there for the whole thing, I think you'll get some gems out of it. We talk about a lot of fun health-related stuff, how to change some of the perceptions, things coming out of COVID, all this good stuff. So really excited to share this one with you. Hope you get a lot out of it. As always, if you could like, share, subscribe, comment, rate, review. Uh, again, share it with somebody who you think could benefit from this conversation, especially if you get anything out of it. I try to keep this advertisement free. Uh, so yeah, hopefully you guys get something out of it. I was just uh, pointed out to me that I say yeah man a lot, including a, a lot on the last episode 55 with David Bidler. So I'm going to try to work on that as I'm recording upcoming episodes. So if you guys notice any of that stuff, please share that feedback. I'm always looking to get better at this new game of podcasting. I just enjoy doing these chats so much. The other part was about taking a breath, slowing down. So I'm going to take a pause here and throw it over to the episode. Hope you guys get 1% better today. Have a happy, healthy day. Talk to you soon. Ivy, my be. There we are, live with Steve Horny from... <laughs> That's not annoying at all. Um, no, not. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hope you have a great day. Yes. Uh, you are in Queens right now. Queens, yeah. New York. Yes. Awesome. I'm over awesome. here in Superior, Colorado, and we got some random old school hip hop instrumental mix going just so we don't get sued. Put it right oh, into yeah. the- Like generic 90s yeah. hip hop music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, ha I haven't gotten dinged on these, uh, these guys, the uh, lives, but yeah, any kind of video where I'm in a gym and there's any kind of song playing- uh, I got the BMG music, copyright claim kind of thing. Anyway, good times, good times. Um, I learned my lesson with, with a lot of that stuff, I guess. That's what they want to do, teach me lessons. So, Steve, those of you listening, I wanted to uh, reiterate the fact that this – well, actually, since the last time we talked, he was on episodes 22 and 32, 10 episodes apart. I believe we're on, like, uh, 57 or something like that right now. I have to go back and, and label them, actually. Um, but – uh, I'm going to turn that off. And uh, <laughs> since the last time we spoke, though, which has been a few months, uh, you are now, and I don't know if I assume it's all right me sharing this, that you've kind of find out, got closed out or, or you're no longer in the physical kind of Tribeca, lower Manhattan space. And no, I'm still, I'm still there. Okay. It's just real shrunk down. Okay. So, so the story of my clinical evolution was staff clinician, manager for a pretty large clinic, then shrunk way down solo. I, I actually, and maybe you were as well, was one of kind of the original gym-based physical therapists, kind of that, that like, I need really low rent and mm -hmm. you need someone on staff that when people hurt their shoulders, when they're boxing, you can tell them, they can tell you that it's okay and then they can go back to training, but mm -hmm. in a, with a little bit of modification. And I feel like I was kind of at the spearhead of that movement that was, there's a need in gyms for healthcare providers that understand what they're going through and physical therapists now with, you know, I would say now with the advent of Square and Google Voice and not needing a ton of 
um, like not needing to have their own brick and mortar space. Right. Cause you still have a fax machine. If you want to be a physical therapist and you had to have a phone number and you had to have someone answer it. Well, there's call centers, there's square. You don't need any of that anymore. You can just put yourself in a gym, run a credit card, do everything online. And I feel like I was one of the first people that was like, Hey, I think maybe I can do this for myself. So then that grew up and now meaning like with multiple treating therapists and things like that. And now it's really kind of shrunk back down to me and some help on the weekends. And it's been kind of nice. Not that I don't miss humans, but not having the overhead of every time I finish with a patient coming back and having 16 emails and I was only treating for two hours and having to deal with things, those, those fires that just need to put out. I am channeling all of that energy into this sort of stuff and I am really enjoying it. And I feel like I'm just growing as a clinician because I'm just getting to read all the things and take all the courses that I wanted to and have these sorts of conversations from intelligent people such as yourself where I get to learn and we get to share. I know it's very exciting. (laughs) Ah, shucks. It's all the kombucha. And uh, (laughs) so all I can say is it's been, it, it was a good lesson just like a lot of people it knocked me completely off of my ass because obviously that's a huge shift and it also centered me i think along with a lot of other folks who are making shifts after this so how about you since the last time i know you were i mean you're in a different state now yeah. also we talked about healthy gut healthy you i know you've been reading that i feel like that was maybe one of the take-homes from the last like two times that we talked mm-hmm. where you at uh, I appreciate you turning the whole interview around on me. I appreciate. I like it. I like Good it. Time. Uh, <laughs> it's always the best. The best ones. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm still making my way through. It's a very uh, thick book, um, so I'm enjoying it though, and I'm trying to make time for that. I've been uh, jumping around as I think our ADHD's brains do, and uh, yeah, I'm just trying. Since I moved to Colorado about four months ago, um, just b- building the business out here, networking. I did get COVID. Uh, and then pneumonia, and then uh, yeah, so I'm recovering from that. That's a whole nother story, and I have a few videos and, and things I need to probably do a solo cast kind of recap and some of that. There was some crazy stuff. Uh, those listening, I'll say I'll say real quick, and I don't know if I don't. I guess I didn't share this stuff with you, but yeah, uh, the like second day we were here, there was a plane dropping uh, parts of its engine uh, in Broomfield, which is like three miles away from us. Uh, there was a mass shooting in Boulder, which is about 15 minutes away from us. Ten people. Uh, died there. Um, there was the uh, six feet of snow day where <laughs> we were driving around, and and that was all sorts of fun and intense. Then it was like ninety degrees the next day, pretty much. Uh, it was. It, it's been. It's been. Uh, it's been good. Is there any part of you that's like, maybe the universe is trying to tell me something? It's funny because when we moved to SoCal in twenty nineteen, I think in our first week there, there were like we we experienced two earthquakes, but those were pretty minor. Um, and, and I don't know. I don't know if we're bringing stuff with us. This is also apparently the rainiest uh, Colorado has ever been in like the hit, maybe in hundreds of years. Uh, so everything's like super lush and green, though, so which, which is really nice. Um, but anyway, there have been a lot there in terms of business. Yeah, I've been shifting, working with a business coach. I fired my like business coach that I had when I was moving here. Um, and then I, I, I found a new business coach uh, that we've and I've been getting a lot more into this. So like you're saying, I've, I've really been enjoying uh, doing these consistently and just connecting with folks and having really good conversations and helping that materialize a bit of what I'm doing. One of the really cool things that came out of that, by the way, and, and I feel like I'm dominating, I gotta turn this back on you, you're the guest. Um, <laughs> the, one of the really cool things that came out of it, similar to what you just did to me, 
uh, one of my guests who was a guidance counselor at my high school, Brooklyn Tech, uh, he was my guest. He now teaches public speaking and prepares people for TED Talks. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of TED Talks, TEDx Talks, and he kind of turned it around on me as we were talking of like, hey, if you had a TED Talk tomorrow, what would your talk be on? And that was really fun for me to think about as a thought experiment, but now I'm actually gonna be on his podcast that he has with his partner, Kathy, which is called It's About to Go Down, where they kind of take people uh, and, and try to mold and kind of coach them on the podcast, which I'm very excited about. Um, and on the spot, I think, again, a lot of what we talk about, so for those who missed the last two episodes, again, if you wanna go check them out, episodes 22 and 32, um, and I'll try to link those in the show notes or whatever. I'm really bad at all that stuff, but um, <laughs> but uh, we talked about your eight foundations of health, and I've kind of I've I've been developing my kind of five pillars of health, and and however we want to talk about that, and all the overlaps. Where again, I think uh, I end up touching on all eight of your foundations, and I'm sure you're on all five. So yeah, we're on the same page yeah. as how we market it, how we brand it. But I've been developing those programs. I've gone to a point where I'm only working with folks, kind of trying to be a little bit more exclusive, where I really want to make the difference. Um, at this point, I'm at a minimum of a three month commitment with anyone I work with. Um, you know, I have big packages where I'm saying like, we, I don't want to work with you if you just want to, you know, do some exercises and get rubbed for your shoulder. Like that's not what I'm into. That's not, and I've, I've, we've been around, let's just say that. And I have a question for you. I definitely want to make sure I come back to, as I finish this, but, um, but, but yeah, it doesn't work. So again, I've gone to that point. So thank you for asking. And hopefully that kind of sums up a little bit. And I, I need to redo my website because my website doesn't reflect kind of the fact that I'm into these five pillars of health. And I was just making sure I finished my uh, licensure process in a new state and all that before I started kind of uh, pushing the, the marketing a little bit and, and networking because I wanted to make sure at least I was somewhat legally covered on some of that stuff. And uh, the other fun part is, uh, for those not familiar, New York and California, the last two states I was licensed in as a physical therapist, you're not allowed to do dry needling. Now, dry needling is not the end all be all, but uh, now that I'm in Colorado, I'm allowed to order blood work, x-rays, and do dry needling. So I'm having a good old time out here. Wow, good um, for you, man. Yeah. So that's kind of stuff I'm trying to make sure. Again, I have all my uh, T's dotted and I's crossed, as the kids would say. Um, and yes, I mix that up on purpose for anyone paying attention. Um, but <laughs> but um, anyway, we'll come back to some of that stuff. And I'd love to, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where we are in a few months on that. But the, the turning it back to you is somebody actually out here I was networking with uh, just graduated from the university. They're trying to apply to physical therapy school. Based on what you said and based on what we talked about a little bit, and how we both, I think, have moved away from the traditional physical therapy model, if you will. If you were a student today, graduating with your bachelor's, do you think you would still go for a doctorate based on what you know now of, of physical therapy? Would you go for a degree in physical therapy? Would you pursue a different avenue? Yeah, okay. I think I would, but I think it would take a while for me to land at that. I, I, when I when I went to PT school, I didn't realize that kind of sports physiatry and functional medicine wasn't really a thing. And those would have been two things that I absolutely would have considered. The other option of just becoming a really gangster strength hmm. coach and being an LMT or an acupuncturist, because traditional not, Chinese- Not an LMNT. Oh, I would say- that I I have a, an intern right now, Anna, who's like hanging out with us. And I'm like, I really want you to fully explore acupuncture school 
becoming a massage therapist and being a strength coach, being a chiropractor, and then possibly, I mean, even like where my head is at, like I, I, I don't know, like I could have seen myself maybe becoming a nurse practitioner. There's a lot of other ways that I felt like it was either for me when I graduated. So this was 15 years ago, it was kind of like orthopedic physical therapist or nothing. Um, though, or at least those are the options that I felt. And, and I feel like it's important for everyone to kind of explore those. With that being said, and to kind of piggyback off your TED talk, I love being a physical therapist. Like, I think, I think we're it. I, I'll say this. So my wife is transitioning into cybersecurity. I am a physical therapist. I don't know if for the next 30 years of runway of world that we could possibly have chosen two better professions. Like mm. what more does the world need than people <laughs> who are articulate in the language of the body without just getting bogged down with a whole bunch of pharmaceuticals mm -hmm. and surgeries that may or may not end up being helpful. I'm not picking on orthopedic surgeons right. or any school surgeons. Like they are necessary. It's just like almost going straight to a military option where diplomacy should really live for a long time. Like that's yeah. kind of how I view us. Mm -hmm. And then cybersecurity, come on, keeping us all safe. Like right. it's kind of interesting, but I, I, to, to, to answer your question, if the finances were doable, mm. I think I would still end up as a physical therapist. All I right. kind of love where we're at and I love where the profession is going with like your five pillars and my mm. eight foundations and the fact that this post-COVID world for the people that want to attempt to make adaptations, we're it, dude. Like we are it. Yeah, I mean, it's our job. It's our responsibility. Right. That, well, that, that's the conversation. And that's the answer I was trying to get to with uh, this student who just graduated of what is it we really want to do the way we're describing what it is we do uh, is very different than 90 something percent of physical therapists, unfortunately. And again, maybe I'm a pessimist, maybe I'm a Brooklyn, you know, whatever, but <laughs> um, tr too much New York in me. Um, where like I'm, I'm looking for more New York from you, man. Where the Queen, Queens is very different than Brooklyn for those. Queens, but uh, oddly enough, you're not allowed to move back here, though. <laughs> <Just> so, <you laughs> know, from all that I've heard, that yeah. was the one thing I was like, so Bo's never gonna move back to New York, as far as I'm in this area. Yeah, no, we we can't handle all those things. But I, I, I'll take the optimistic route. I have so many more physical therapists. And I'll plug it right now, like September 11th and 12th, you're listening to this and you want to learn about the eight foundations of health and the eight foundations of movement. We're putting on a course and it's going to be with acupuncturists and physical therapists. And I think more people are excited to have these sorts of conversations. They're just not comfortable enough. Mm. Speak, you know, like, uh, you, you know, um, Brett Bartholomew, the, yeah. the coach. I have, like, his book, I have his book right over here. Yeah. Conscious coaching is one of the conscious best coaching yeah. out there. But he just posted today and it was like things that you're aware of, things that you somewhat mm -hmm. understand, things you might be able to teach and things that if you taught, people might understand it. Mm -hmm. And it's like this, you know, you, you kind of have to chunk that down and peel that back at the appropriate pace. Right. And for me, I'm now starting to feel more comfortable talking about this stuff. You know, you try some stuff, you have some success with it, you see how it works then you feel like you want to deep, dive deeper, like find someone, find someone who disagrees with them, then find where you are in the right. middle of it. And I just think it takes time, but I'm hoping that more and more physical therapists are seeing this, especially in New York, like New York, you could pay someone on the street 
anyone, literally anyone money for for nutritional advice mm. on a specific condition because it's a very open state. Now there's legislature yeah. that's been in the works for a very long time and it keeps on getting put up, put down, put up, put down. And I have no idea how COVID's gonna change that. Right. But in New York in particular, physical therapists have a lot of range with how they can help people out. And I think that we're just starting to see that even if we just trick ourselves into thinking that it's to preserve the muscle and tendon and ligamentous health and inflammation matters with that. So that's why we have to learn it. Or if we just want to be like, Hey, I don't want people to die <laughs> young. I want them to age gracefully. Yeah. And I know that given what I understand about strength, cause you can't divorce strength from health, but it's kind of, I think it's harder to, I think it's harder. And maybe this is just me. Um, trying to think that we're special. So realize like I'm acknowledging my biases even before I say this, that <laughs> I think it's, I think it's can be a little bit more challenging to understand strength mm. and how to move really well. I think lifestyle stuff is a little more like get back to what your ancestors were yeah. doing. Like if you had to like eat real food and get back to kind of how your ancestors live, like we'll just kind of leave it at that, that, that more traditional lifestyle. Ancestral like, the... forgot it. And with that, then I'll like put myself down and say, they didn't have to work out because they were so active mm -hmm. and it would be great if I, I guess I just don't see that. Um, I don't see that boat coming back into port. Like, I don't mm. think people are going to be like, let's get back out there right. and start farming more. Like, I feel yeah. like it's like, okay, I, I actually do need to replace that neat or that non-exercise activity time that was occurring so much with conventional exercises. But my diet, I can switch back. But getting together with the community, I can switch back. It, shutting the electronics down, I can get back. It's a, and maybe the electronics thing, I would get a lot of pushback on. But yeah, where does your mind go with that? Whew, you went so many different directions there, man. I, um, I mean, yeah, keeping it around a little bit of what we touched on in our pre-call around. Uh, I think it's a good good transition to that. And and my TED Talk concept of at the end of the day, redefining fitness is my theme, right? That I'm working through and trying to find that language of like, how do we make these changes? And 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 you, t you mentioned the ancestral kind of health model, um, which I love, of course. And uh, yeah, the lifestyle stuff, by the way, I meant to say, that's one of the other things I've been doing that's been distracting me from uh, healthy gut, healthy you, is uh, I'm doing the precision nutrition certification, which is a nice, again, like extra uh, school of thought around how do we change, help people change their lifestyle uh, things, uh, basic stuff at the end of the day. And it's not, it's never meal plans, even though they're precision nutrition, it's never like protein, good, uh, fat, bad. Like it's not, you know, less carb, whatever, keto, intermittent fasting, all that. So it's continuing to, to experiment with all that stuff. So coming back a little bit to what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, the, uh, I'll shout out Dr. Gabrielle, uh, Leon, Lion. Um, if you're familiar with her, yes. And so, uh, she is, one of my favorite quotes from her that I'll, I will 100% attribute to her until uh, I think if you say it three times, then you no longer have to attribute it and I can claim it as your own or something like that. Anyway, but it's, yeah, it's muscle is the organ of longevity. So to your point about strength and moving better, the best thing to grow muscle is consistency. The best way to have consistency is to avoid injury. 
Um, and, and the better you move, the less likely you are to be injured. And again, like these are all the things. And that's to, to back to that original question about uh, should we pursue physical therapy or would we, again, if, if we had that option in front of us, I do think it's the best. Uh, my answer out of that whole question is I still think it is one of the best avenues to understand research, to understand strength and conditioning. Uh, and what I met, what I said to this guy who's similar like thinking to us is there's so many avenues of, you know, you can go down these paths of like, yeah, help, help out with my podcast so we can, we can be involved in these conversations. Um, you know, help out with uh, clinics that are doing this kind of progressive style of training. Um, again, strength and conditioning, like the, ba the, the standards for that might be the CSCS, uh, through the National Strength and Conditioning Association, CSCS is Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist. That's probably one of the highest, uh, you know, forms of being certified there. But that doesn't compare to a doctor in physical therapy. Um, again, when you talk about chiropractic, acupuncture, all these other tools for working with and understanding how the human body works, I agree with you, man. I I, I love that you know we found this physical therapy thing. The the reason it's be it's a little bit controversial is or or whatever is the traditional model where you're going through insurance, where you need the fax machine, where you have to deal with, yeah, all that stuff. That's where it's like, as long as you know and you can get out of that system as fast as you can, to me, that's the answer of what I pursue physical therapy. And, and so again, I look back at my education and I calculated out that I probably spent half a million dollars between physical therapy school, undergrad, continuing education, certifications, travel to different co conferences, networking, courses, all this stuff. So at a minimum, I would say half a million dollars. Um, did I get my return on investment? I think so. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even calculate that, but yeah. And again, where's it going to take me years to come years from now. And on top of all that, how many folks have I helped to truly change their, not just, again, I had a little shoulder pain and Bo helped me through my shoulder pain, but now to go to Oh, like I worked, I, I signed up with, well, this is where I'm at now, the three month package. My goal, what I say to folks with that is, I want you to walk away from that three months feeling empowered and confident around knowing more than 95% of what most healthcare professionals are going to be able to tell you about your body. So when you're like, I have pain here, I have, you know, this energy level kind of thing, whatever, we need to be able to understand and have conversations around that where the traditional medical system and there's no one profession, there's no one path that, that stands out to me as you should have gone become a health coach. You should have gotten certified in functional medicine. Um, they're all different avenues that, again, like, you know, you, you get bogged down into different things that you might be more excited about. So, yeah, I, I followed that avenue of orthopedic surgery. And I'm like, I don't want to be in a I don't want to be, you know, injecting this guy's knee and pulling stuff out of this person's knee. And and, you know, like it's, it's very quick and and. It's not that it's not personal. And like you said, we don't want to take anything away from those guys. But um, but at the end of the day, in terms of this, like I want and, and the other part, again, where I'm pushing folks now on this three month thing is I'm touching base with you every single day. And I think that that is where the future is like, you know, there's apps. The new map is, is something that I've, I've been looking at. I don't know if you're familiar with it and I'm not promoting it necessarily. But in terms of weight loss, there's stuff every single day and it's habit building similar to precision nutrition. So yeah, I'm going off on a little bit of tangent. I want to come back to asking you some questions, but uh, yeah, I think that again, to answer that question is I love where we've come, but I also almost, again, have moved away from what the term physical therapy is. So I'll talk about my doctor in physical therapy, but I'm very quick to go past that. Or like Kelly Starrett, for those familiar with him, he would, you know, if he's on a plane and someone asks him, what does he do? He says, I educate people on how to move their body. 
Like, you know, I'm, I'm an educator. I'm not a physical therapist. Cause again, when you hear physical therapy, you think hot packs, electrical stim, ice, ultrasound, maybe some massage. Yeah. So a yellow rubber band. Um, and, and I'm like, I don't, I don't do that. I don't want to be associated with that. And again, the question becomes, do you take my insurance? And I'm saying, no, like no, this is not the model we're talking about. So the, at the end of the day, the tools, all that fun stuff, uh, are, are where I think we're going and hopefully, yeah, there's a lot of fun, different points in that, that I, I want to definitely go back to that little ramble that I just did and, and pull some of the fun stuff out of there. So I don't know what resonated with you there, if anything stood out, but I mean, and I, again, I, I assume we're on very similar pages there. I concur. <laughs> so moving on, <laughs> thank you. Uh, moving on to the, 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 one of the first questions you put in there about uh, lessons you've learned from your first pandemic, as you put in, hopefully your only pandemic. Um, but yeah, I think uh, science tells us probably not. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, what what are those lessons you learned? I think that ties into how you've adapted that model. And you talked about those, these next 20, 30 years of, of you know, between uh, your wife's job and your job. And, and yeah, tell us what we should know that you learned. Yeah, I feel like it's I think all of the things that we expected to happen would happen if you're really healthy. And that's kind of some of the aspects that we can talk about. You still could get smoked by this. Mm -hmm. But in general, there was less smoking by this if you were really healthy. Right. And you maybe can even speak to this more. Maybe you're one of those people. I mean, you are low adiposity. Did you get crushed or was it, did you end up with the pneumonia after? Like, so I'll tell my story real quick. Um, yeah. Anyone missed it is uh, my wife got it. We actually uh, were avoiding, we weren't avoiding the vaccine necessarily. We were just kind of putting it off um, because we were being very safe and, and limited of uh, our, our uh, you know, risky activities, if you will. Moving to Colorado though, um, she was very excited about getting into rock climbing. So we joined an indoor rock climbing gym. The, um, which is, again, they were doing a pretty good job, I would say, of, of limiting it to 75 people, appointments, masks, all the, the whole thing. Uh, but still, it's 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 it was a definitely not the smartest place to be. Literally, my first time going there, uh, they had just bought uh, like a, a bigger franchise or whatever bought the one that we were going to. So they allowed the other members, and they sent out an email basically being like, "Oh, you can come in and check it out." So instead of the seventy-five people, there were like two hundred people there. So anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I don't think legal action is allowed or or you know going to go anywhere with that. But but. You know, this is America. We need to be litigious. Um, <laughs> but with all that said, um, so she, she actually got it. She, uh, my wife uh, tested positive. She was feeling not so great. She had all, she, And again, she's a relatively healthy person. So she had about two days of sinusitis, which is something she has a history of. Um, and, and then she had lost her smell and taste. But it was like two days of, of shittiness. Literally, this was a few weeks into us being here. And again, using my whoop and everything uh, of tracking... I had just adjusted to Colorado. I had just adjusted to the elevation. I was, you know, getting into my LMNT electrolytes. Um, I was just feeling good. My recovery was like 90%, 90%, 95%. Um, and then, yeah, after she, after she basically gave it to me, I tried to like quarantine within the house and sleep in a different room. But anyway, I got it. Then I had nine or 10 days of just not getting past it. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, it wasn't like, I wasn't like completely dead but, uh, and sorry if that's bad language for anyone, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was not day nine or 10. My cough was getting a little worse. I still had a fever. 
the fever was just kind of hanging out above 100, maybe 101, 102. But day nine and 10, as per what we understood, uh, and my I, I got the oxygen saturation. I was checking and like, yeah, if I got got up to even walk the dog a little bit, it was dropping to like 80, 72 percent, which oh, again, which which again in Colorado, I went to the okay. ER at some point. So at first we went to urgent care, urgent care because day nine or ten, like, hey, like this isn't getting better. Is there anything you guys can do? Um, they did a chest X-ray, which found a small. Uh, bacterial pneumonia, which is important to differentiate between a viral and a bacterial pneumonia. Viral is the one that's probably going to send you to the hospital and possibly mm -hmm. need much more intervention. Bacterial, we were able to take two antibiotics and kind of knock it out in the next two mm -hmm. days. Um, but as I was taking that, I was still not, you know, my lungs were just taking time to recover. So, uh, so uh, my wife was talking to some doctors in the UK that she knows. And I guess what they were saying is what they do is the, the oxygen sat and they'll walk with the patient. And if the patient's not above 90%, that's when they're sending them to like the ICU to like mm -hmm. really be monitored. Yeah. So yeah, I walked out and I was at like 70 something percent. Uh, so we go to the ER, we go to the ER to get checked out about that. And basically, by the way, guys, if, if you're not familiar listening, if you're below 90%, like that's pretty serious. Um, oh, I so anyway. think every one of my patients every single day. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've had... Mo actually someone ended up having to go to the doctor because she was at like 92 93 mm -hmm. and stuff like that but i mean that's a really low pulse ox as you know <laughs> yeah so but like if i was sitting watching tv i was like hovering at the lowest 91 but i was like 92 93 i was just sitting there watching tv um that got a lot better of course once i had the antibiotics and everything but anyway we went to the urgent care sorry we went to the emergency room and the doctor was like, yeah, healthy people, when you put the pulse ox here in Colorado, they're going to drop below 90% because oh, okay. the air is so thin. Uh, so he's like, I'm, and he's like sitting here, you're at 93. There's like, he's like, there's nothing like you're, you're, you just need to, you're taking your antibiotics. You need to just let mm -hmm. it, you know, like, and, and he's like, you know, yeah, it's fine to be cautious. And it cost me whatever it cost me to go into the ER. But, but yeah, at the end it's of the day. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my, that's my kind of story there. Um, and, and as soon as that finished, Again, uh, you know, I know a few other people who, who went through similar concepts of having the, the pneumonia and things like that. But bottom line is um, I took about a full month before I got back into like activity. Um, mm -hmm. And then I just started trying to get consistent with doing workouts and seeing where my limits were and not pushing too much because and I had uh, another physical therapist on this past Friday. Oh, was that are you guys? Are you guys getting the, the base going? Yeah, yeah that's, that's, <laughs> that's my grandma pulling up on yeah. her. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I had, I had a physical therapist on, she's in New Jersey, actually. I'd love to connect you guys. She's big on Twitter. I would say she's really into the long COVID community. Uh, mm -hmm. Daria, sorry, Daria and Oler, not Daria Oller, because that's how I wanted to, to read it anyway. Uh, but Steve, she's big, yes, yes. Steve Hornay. Yeah. Just, he's, he's a very horny man. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so Anyway, I bring that up because long COVID was something I was very, like, I saw people talking about it. And basically, yeah, if you push a little too hard, like, for whatever reason, this was making things actually much worse. So, yeah, again, it's, it, they were still learning so much about it. Um, there's a lot of, 
again, fears of long-term effects of, of just having COVID. And again, now getting the vaccine, my wife actually got her first shot this past week. I'm waiting a little bit longer only to coincide with some travel we have coming up and just making that safer. Because again, for the most part, I'm being very healthy. And theoretically, again, we have very strong antibodies. So anyway, that's my story. Back to you though, lessons learned from the pandemic. Health, yeah. So, okay. So you're healthy by whatever standard in general, I would say you probably check all boxes of most of them. That being said, I guess I feel like I see frequently, and this plays in with COVID, over adiposity or over fat, mm. under aerobically developed, under muscle, when you say like lean muscle mass, mm -hmm. and over stress. Mm. And that's what I wanted to talk about today is just where my thought process is regarding those under, over, over, under problems and just maybe shed a different opinion on it than you might get from your doctor or than you might get from your therapist or than you might get from somewhere else. I think you and I share this and that's probably one of the things we connect on is I like to try and pull from a lot of different places and then try and make it work into my framework. Because even when people disagree, I think it's rare that I think it's rare that people will, but I think it's something that you and I do is if I know that two people are fighting, I like to read both of their diatribes against each other. Mm. And there's usually a lot of stuff in the middle that they don't yep. want to admit exists. And right. I almost see it as my job as trying to pull those things together where there is that consistent overlap and share that maybe because I'm conflict averse, we could just mm. say that. But also I, I think that's just a wise way to go when there's something that a lot of different people from a lot of different places tend to agree on. I think that that's a reasonable place for most people to start when they're trying to solve that specific problem. So again, like over fat, under muscle, underdeveloped aerobic capacity, overstressed. And, and we can start with any of those. Right. So I'll jump in real quick and just to, um, again, reinforce the reason we're using the term over fat, and I'll give credit to James Fitzgerald, who was um, my coach for a little while back in the CrossFit days. And he was the very first CrossFit cha Games champion in 2007, back when there was like seven people competing. But whatever, not to take anything away from him. He's a, he's a pretty awesome dude. Um, and he has the brand OPEX. So I don't know if you're familiar with it, Steve, but um yeah i do know that brand yeah it used to be opt they switched to opex yeah. um anyway there's some very interesting stuff there but yeah he was a big uh one of the first people i saw kind of emphasizing that language and the importance of saying you're not overweight because mm -hmm. even though your weight might be above a threshold that we're talking about but again like i'm two i'm i'm, I'm like 195 200 pounds for mm -hmm. five foot eight i'm pretty short i know that you can't you guys might not be able to tell either in podcast land or video land here but you got that Tom Cruise angle right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I literally, uh, there was a chiropractor, uh, I'll, I'll shout him out by name in case he, he, he still follows me, I know, on Instagram. But um, yeah, I usually do like angle, good angles, I would yeah. say. And I, don't, I didn't even necessarily intentionally do it, but literally the first time I met him in person, uh, and he's up, he's in the like Upper East Side area, so he's a pretty, you know, big deal, whatever, they charge a lot up there. Uh, Leon A. Binder, chiropractor, shouting him out by name. Anyway, the first time I walk into his office, uh, he says, uh, Oh, I thought you were a lot taller. Like that was literally the first thing. I get that too. And I'm always like, okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. But anyway, but yeah, the Tom Cruise angle. Exactly. That's funny. Um, 
So anyway, but the point is, I think it's important about that language of, of again, BMI is not a great measure because again, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty muscular. Like I'm not yeah. going to, you know, are uh, you again, clinically obese? Is that like, Oh, Oh yeah. I, I haven't even looked at like, I think I'm, I'm like beyond yeah. clinically obese. I, when I was at my most muscular, I was clinically obese and I felt like I was like, striving to be as built as and, you are. And I remember yeah, being like, oh, and, and again, for those not familiar, BMI is simply a measure of your height to your weight. And that's all it takes into account. So again, I understand the need for that. I understand on a grand scale, phenomenal. But again, there's football players in the NFL. There, there's a guy that I'm a Jets fan. They just drafted a running back out of North Carolina. He's pretty much my height. He weighs, he's, he's only a little bit heavier than me, which tells me he's probably got a lot more muscle and less fat than me on his body, most likely he's probably like 10% body fat. But point is, uh, again, we would be, yeah, like if you just looked at the numbers uh, and didn't account muscle mass, lean muscle mass, uh, you know, we're talking about looking at, oh, you're like, yeah, clinically obese or, uh, you know, problematic. So when you just look at that measure, it's definitely, and, and how would that relates to weight loss? So when we use the term weight loss, and my favorite thing was, uh, actually off of one of these podcasts, I think somebody followed up with me and said, what's the fastest way to lose 10 pounds? And I jokingly said, cut off your arm. Um, hopefully, again, we all understand that's a joke. So anyway, um, coming back to it again, the concept of over fat, because when people say they want to lose weight, you don't want to lose weight. And again, I don't like to, people to look at the scale when I'm working with them, because uh, we're talking about you want to cut your weight down. And one of the best ways to do that is to bring your muscle up and build muscle mass, because that is uh, you know, without going too far down the rabbit hole on like the, the demands metabolically of muscle versus fat um, and, and, and things like that. I just think it's a significant uh, concept for people to get. And, and again, um, I'm, my head's going all sorts of different ways, but I want to bring it back to you to ask, again, outside of your eight foundations of health, when we talk about these concepts, do you have baseline metrics that you are looking at? Are we talking about like, I want a 1x body weight? you know, or two X body weight for, for a male, you know, under 50 years old, anything like that is, I, I'm just wondering if you can rattle some off, maybe we can go back and forth, but I just want to bring up that general concept. Yeah. So uh, let's start and maybe we can evolve into the, the strength, but as far as the fat, I, I, I think what I probably see the most of and that what people need the most help with, and that is one of the more stubborn things is that waist to hip ratio. Mm, yeah. And you don't even need to necessarily know the number. You just kind of know it when you see it. Um, but also from my understanding that you just even a little extra in that area, but again, more that visceral fat, that central mm -hmm. adiposity, not that subcutaneous fat. So if I can kind of pinch it, then that's different than it being that hard fat that that coupled with, hyperlipidemia, so having like elevated cholesterol and being slightly hypertensive, which usually ends up going with hyperglucose or like kind of pre-diabetic or having a higher resting glucose, that that what's now being termed as that metabolic syndrome. I don't know if that's like, it's not very common that you hear people talking about it, but that is probably the term that will emerge from mm. this, um, where you're trying to give a sense of what that person is and you could list off all of those things or now yeah. you can say a person with metabolic syndrome and then immediately like the waist hip ratio mm. it's not exactly in their favor right 
lipids are a little bit high and uh, the high, like hypertensive, like low grade yeah. hypertension, um, progressing even towards like that in and of itself, I, I feel like is the thing that I want to help people with the most. Yeah. Um, I think that so, so not just yellow rubber band external rotations. No. Yeah, no, I genuinely <laughs> don't want people to die young. Like yeah. I, I don't know how else to really put it. And I want yeah. people to age gracefully. So I, I want to jump in because again, talking about my TED talk and things like that, partly to practice for my own selfish reasons. But along those lines, two statistics that I keep kind of uh, seeing bringing up and that keep coming up with my conversations that that tie into this one. Uh, we might have touched on this in a previous podcast. I apologize if I'm repeating it, but I think bears repeating is uh, first generation of children to have a shorter life expectancy than the previous generation in history. It's just kind of, you know, continually gone. Life expectancy has gone up as medicine, evolution, all this fun stuff has happened. But first generation is a very scary statistic. Uh, part, uh, part B of that, I would say, is like you're saying, so much of it is preventable, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it was Father's Day yesterday as we're recording this on Monday. I lost my father at 41 to a heart attack uh, under stress. We just moved to America, all this fun stuff. Uh, but uh, unfortunate, but again, very preventable, um, you know, but we see folks and, and there's so much misinformation. You know, we had the whole 90s, like no fat, low fat, fat is bad. And we just saw, again, chronic disease skyrocket uh, as that happened, because when they would take the fat out of your what was that green cookie thing? Oh man, I, I, I remember eating it. But anyway, there was a specific green cookie that uh, I used to love. And again, not knowing what I knew back in the 90s uh, as, as a teenager or whatever, uh, but they would take the fat out. When you take the fat out, you have to replace the flavor by putting all sorts of, as we used to say, chemical shitstorm in there. Yeah. So anyway, but, but so all that. And then the other part to what you're talking about uh, that a little more on the clinical side is more research coming out showing that only... 12% of Americans would qualify as metabolically healthy. So there are numerous markers, 12%, 12%, yeah. 12. That means 88% are unhealthy for anyone not good at math. But 12%, 12% is a scary statistic. And that's again, in, in supposedly, you know, we're, we're supposed to be one of the best countries at whatever. And again, we could have that argument, but but yeah, 12% is scary statistic of, of qualifying as metabolically healthy. Actually, as we were talking, I did do my calculation of my height and my weight. Uh, oh, nice. The BMI calculator on NCBI uh, PubMed, right, which is one of the gold standards. And again, they're just doing it based on height and weight. And that was, for me, 30.4% BMI, which again, that is not my uh, fat percentage. If you, if I know that my fat percentage is gonna, right now, uh, going to be between like 14 and 18%, yeah, uh, just it. from like the actual, like if we measure it in a better way, yeah. but anyway, 30.4% is what it comes up as and would probably be if I go to most do medical doctor's offices and got my annual checkup, they would do the height and weight and put in, you know, Bo has 30.4% BMI and, 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 and how does that affect my insurance? You know, how does that affect my health insurance or my life insurance or my disability insurance? It, it comes up not so great. And again, it's just a, a bad system. So anyway, that's my quick ramble. Coming no, back. that was great. And to piggyback off what you said, I think what's even worse is the life expectancy, but the health span mm. is like straight up garbage. Yeah. Like you can live to 80 years old and be on five medications and have to use an assistive device. Right. Or you can live to 80 years old and then it just kind of 
goes, but you didn't have disability mm. accumulating up until that. And that's what I think is even worse is so it's even less of a lifespan, but the health span is, is mm. I think maybe where you're saying, I have no research to back this up. I'm just saying yeah. just from what I see, it seems like the health span, like the amount of years where someone is right. not on a medication, mm. if we just take that, I feel like that's dropping dramatically. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. even with this pandemic, people mm. being a little less active or, you know, however it affects, I think it affects a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. But I think you're seeing some, this is anecdotal, but some people on their first medications that they've ever been on in their life, mm. whether it's cholesterol or hypertension. And that I think is a little scary as well. It's, it's all scary. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just, but, panic. but when, but when I, when I speak to someone and they're ready to make a change, um, oh, one of my first, one of my first things when they tell me whatever medications they're on is my primary goal is to get them off all sure. medications possible because there are side effects because there are natural ways to heal. And again, the medical system is not set up to coach you through that. They're, the, the, you know, your medical doctor again, or, or your PA or, or whatever me medical system that's doing its best, uh, all well-intentioned is not going to come into your house and take your, you know, uh, whatever potato, Frito potato chips and throw them out. Like you need that though, we need it. And again, if, if it takes you and I, more physical therapists who are kind of able to understand these things, you know, whether we recommend or more, just get more people to read books like Healthy Gut, Healthy You. I mean, that's, that's really the key um, to me. Healthspan, I, you know, again, yeah, that's such a great concept that comes up. Um, and this is one of my new pushes. And I don't know if you saw my post from a few days ago but um, I've been pushing this concept of a physical retirement plan. Mm -hmm. So again, so many folks understand a 401k or a Roth IRA and they're saving money and it's accumulating and compounding interest, phenomenal. Great, when you're 65, you're gonna have $2 million sitting in your bank account. An amazing, great, good for you. But if you have you know, five knee surgeries or whatever, or a knee and a hip and a spine surgery, um, and again, you're not able to go you're not you're barely able to walk 20 minutes like you know you, what's the point of having two million dollars like it can buy you whatever new technology comes out but again i like you said for the next 30 years like i don't know what technology is coming i'd rather protect the one body i have and again it might be easier for guys like us i get that but that's why we're here to try to share and help you with that physical retirement plan of like yeah 30 years from now uh you know i want you to figure out how today we're going to prepare for that. And that doesn't mean we're ignoring you feeling better tomorrow, but like, yeah. yeah, everyone's chasing a six pack and Peloton. And again, we talk about the pandemic and again, it's just, I think it unfortunately reinforced to me some of those low hanging fruit or that pill and Peloton. I said it when, when it first happened, I was like, I'm not a stock market guy. I wish I was because I knew Peloton was going to blow up. I knew it was going to skyrocket. I didn't know about AMC and, and, uh, What's the other one or, or the Bitcoins or whatever. I'm not, I'm not into all that, but no, there was AMC and uh, GameStop. That was the other one. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. but I knew Peloton was going to blow up. Uh, you know, I predicted Clorox cause everyone was getting antibacterial. I didn't, I didn't predict the toilet paper. I'll say, yeah, well, yeah. And the, and the Pfizer's and all that, if you want to go down that path. Oh no, I'm in, I, was, I was injecting Clorox. In oh, you're injecting Clorox. I got you. Yeah. So oh, anyway, yeah, <laughs> but, um, but the Peloton stuff again, like it boggles my mind that people, go to Peloton. And again, I understand it academically that like, oh, this is a community thing. I can do it at home. Like I'm going to commit to it. I swear I'm going to spend $3,000 to commit to it. Like I have this thing. It's not just going to be a coat rack 
like my last bike or whatever, or treadmill in the basement, I'm not just going to collect dust. But again, to me, it's such an incomplete picture of fitness. But again, people don't know that like if I spend that same money on someone like Bo for three months, uh, and I don't mean to make this a self infomercial or whatever, but like it, it's, oh, wait, there's more. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. First, <laughs> we have, up now. Yeah. We have to show uh, people like bumbling over. How do I get on this thing? Like you have to show <laughs> yeah. the people not, not being able to do basic human functions anyway. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, that's my little, my little uh, rant on two cents, but yeah. Any other um, lessons taken away from the pandemic, my friend? Yeah, no, that's like, yeah. The one thing that I, that I will say is, and I, I think that it's, I think that that stuff's actually pretty, you know, you were talking about being pessimistic, pessimistic versus optimistic. When something like that happens, I don't get like, oh, like, like almost like, oh, they're taking away from me. Like, I feel like this pie is growing and I feel like it's going to be people like you and myself that are really going to be able to have, to be the level-headed people in the room because we've been around long enough yeah. that are going to be able to help Peloton. And let's say, you know, like Peloton, like, hey, this is great, but you're kind of leaving a lot of muscle on the table. Like. Right. Have you guys thought about doing an assault bike or an echo bike and something like that? Like you can only really get your heart rate up so high by only using your legs and maybe right. this would be better. And and then, and things really change. But you also said another thing is, you know, you and I, you, this is something you and I care about and it's something that you and I've worked hard at and something we put a lot of work into. And we're, I think very lucky because we probably had a positive such a positive experience with community around being active that it overrid the fact that I think genetically in our, just through purely the fact that we're animals, we're kind of coded to be lazy. Like you and I have overridden that because I think we have so much enjoyment from it. And also where I think are very aware and maybe I'm just speaking for me, you can just nod if this is true, but I know that I'm not the best version of myself if I'm not exercising and moving. And so I kind of caught on to that at a very young age and then just realized that this was going to be a part of my life. And so I don't fight it. I don't do anything. It's just there. And I think realizing that in general, almost like that coding in our genetics sets people up for failure because we are more or less to stay alive coded to conserve energy. So when everyone's like, it's hard, like, yeah, it's totally hard. You're totally right. And that's where I think the community aspect can help some people and almost needs to be there. And then the other side with the diet, like, don't blame yourself either. Like, look at our society, look right. at how much money is spent on advertising. Look at when you walk into a gas station, a quick convenience. I like, I walk into a gas station and sometimes I'll just walk out and be like, well, there just wasn't anything in there for me. Like, right. I'm like looking at the nuts rack and being like, mm -hmm. can I just get some nuts that are just some nuts? And sometimes I can't get some nuts that are just some nuts. So don't feel bad if you can't, if you're having trouble with <laughs> yeah. this. I just don't want anyone to ever feel like shitty. I'm not just like, oh, yeah. I'm not just saying this because like it genuinely, the reason why I love getting on these things is because everything that I think you're going to recommend and I'm going to recommend is free health. Like that's, right. that's like yeah. my little thing that I'm playing around in my head is like, what do I practice? Like I practice free health. I might ask you to buy an app, a heart rate monitor or whatever, but mm -hmm. you're not going to pay for any diagnostic imaging. You're not going to pay for any pharmaceuticals, everything that I say. And if you're not in a food desert, which is a real mm. thing, but yeah. if, if you do have access to quality food, I'm not taking a lot out of your pocket. It's kind of like free health. 
you can just make these decisions. But I think that we all both need to acknowledge that it's really hard to one, change a pattern mm-hmm. and two, our genetics and society do not set us up for success in these. So yeah. just let me like lay all that out. <laughs> and with that, maybe we'll talk uh-huh. about kind of helping people dropping this. I'm just talking about right now, like central adiposity, like that waist hip ratio that's not in their favor, that beer gut, whatever you want to call it, you know? Is there anything you want to touch on before I start moving into like <laughs> kind of some 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 things with that? Yeah, so as you were talking, I wanted to, uh, a, a phenomenal book and resource that kind of really drove that point home that you just talked about is Wired to Eat, if you're not Ooh. familiar with Rob Wolf. Um, so, oh, yeah, they're great. Yeah, he's, he's phenomenal. Again, he's the one who created the LMNT. So again, if you, anyone wants to buy, I'm a, I'm a wholesale dealer for them. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm not sponsored by them yet, but hopefully one day this podcast will grow. Anyway, but um, no, Wired to Eat makes that exact point of it's not anyone's fault. Like you're, they, there are, you're, you're, you're fighting a losing battle. There are food uh, and flavor engineers. They, are, they literally have uh, potato chips that say, we dare you to eat just one. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I bet you can't eat just one. Is that the actual saying? And so, you know, it's, it's, it, you, you, we're, we don't have much of a chance. It, and, and I think the book basically makes the argument and, or I'm taking extrapolating to say, uh, if the fact that we're not a hundred or 200 pounds overweight each, and again, over fat, whatever we want to call it language wise, yeah. but is, is, is amazing because yeah, it's such easy access. And like, it takes a lot of like, whether it's education. And again, I spent half a million dollars on educating. Like it was partly selfish of like, I want to make sure I'm healthy. I want to make sure I don't die of a heart attack with like my father at 41. Yeah, like true. I want to avoid cancer. I see all this suffering. I don't want that. And and again, now it's like I want to help you if you're ready for it to hear my my you know guru whatever shouted from the mountaintop. Like I want to help you. Like again, like why should I not have something with canola oil? Because canola oil is probably going to damage your cells, which is going to lead to this and then be a problem there. So anyway, Wired to Eat, I just wanted to shout that out. Um, again, a really great resource. So yeah, that was my uh, two cents there. Back like to you, it. sir. Yeah, so so let's take a kind of a, a different approach to central adiposity. And we'll have kind of four different things. So we'll talk about digestion, which is we might actually be able to keep relatively brief. Um, because we've discussed this so much in the past two contests, the next like digestion, then satiety, I think is an interesting part of the kind of calories in calories out conversation that needs to happen. Third part, I think we should talk about carbs and almost how you need to earn them. Mm. Um, and how kind of everyone likes to pretend like this is what the diet that you should eat. Well, Depending right. on how active you are, right. your body can have a really different response to it. And then the last one is stress and how they all relate yeah. to this area right here. Yeah. So I want to go back to my kind of big picture and random ramblings that are not as random as they probably come across um, of saying, again, big picture, when I'm talking to folks, it comes back to, again, yeah, food is a journey. This nutritional concept is a journey. Under, and again, people go very quick, similar to the Peloton, where again, I don't, uh, I was going to say again, it's a, you're talking about an abundance mindset. So great. Yeah, I'm happy that people are trying and looking for an answer. What's frustrating to me is uh, there's a better way. So again, when I see people in the gym doing an hour of elliptical, I'm like, and, and doing that for a year and, do, and seeing no change, I'm like, you, you could have got, accomplished so much in a year 
and investing a little in someone yeah. like me. Anyway, but but without going down that path of frustration or whatever, but yeah, I like the concept of abundance mindset and or the other fun term is a blue ocean strategy, right? So so yeah, again, at the end of the day for me, if I have 20 clients who are just like committed to me, that's more I you know, that's a great place to start where then hopefully maybe a TED talk does reach a million people or a TEDx talk or whatever. But yeah, I did want to come back to to the point you're talking about of uh, all these different concepts, people keep chasing paleo and keto and intermittent fasting because that's the, the thing they see that the influencers talking about. And again, like I post this stuff and I try to, you know, I play around with intermittent fasting and, and things like that. And I'm like, here's what I know about it. And like, if you want to try it, let's make sure we have, a, we understand why we're trying it and we understand like how we're going down the path. So again, for me, it's a big thing of understanding. You talked about satiety. So how hung, like, is this hunger or is this thirst? And like how much of this is psychological and all that stuff. And again, that's something really fun. And like as much as I'm, you know, kind of jokingly promoting LMNT here, but like it's, there you go, water. But, but it literally is. Sponsored like, by water. Yeah. Uh, sometimes sponsored by water. Yeah. That's the other, I'll give uh, James Fitzgerald uh, credit there. He's always joking that he's sponsored by broccoli. Um, <laughs> the big, big <laughs> like broccoli. That. Yeah. Big broccoli is the, the thing. Anyway. But, um, but yeah, uh, I, I did just want to say again, there's so many, so much noise, so much confusion. Who do you listen to? Uh, so that's where, again, like I wanted to, to say again, anyone who's listening and they've made it 55 minutes into this podcast, know, without us saying anything. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> said a few things. Um, but anyway, so, so, but that's, that, I did want to come back to that big picture of it's such a noisy environment. Uh, we don't have clear leadership. Again, you have people questioning if vaccines are safe or masks are good or if COVID is just like another flu. Like, you know, yeah, there's a lack of science literacy. So and again, I don't blame folks for getting caught up in these arguments, these conversations. And again, that's where like we come back to. We're here to bring some science to it. We're here to bring some some common sense, some some whatever of like, look, we have the answer. With the, 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 the coming back to that very first or the one of the first questions about the physical therapy thing, I really wish that we were better at marketing, that they taught better marketing in physical therapy school or that I was able to learn better marketing on the side. Because, again, it's not in our nature. Most people who go into physical therapy tend to be like we just want to help. We just we just want to learn how to help. And then we learn about this insurance stuff and all that as we go into our careers. And then we become like, oh, we need to escape all that like, and still find a way to help people. But we go through that longer process, just like people go through keto and intermittent fasting. And like, it, it might take you many years and maybe you never find the right answer. But that's where, again, I, I again, I, I do feel very impassioned about that. And we are coming up on the hour. So I want to be respectful of your time. We can always do part 17 um, <laughs> as we. I kind of this is just a rolling conversation. <laughs> never yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that I, was it. We're done. <laughs> my other my other major recurring guest is one of my old professors from physical therapy school, and he's in Australia, and he's like an ACL expert, and oh, I had an cool. ACL surgery, and so we've had, I think, three episodes now, and we're going to probably keep going where we're just checking in as often as, as he's willing to and people are willing to listen. But yeah, I mean, I love it. Uh, and again, I, I just, I really just, again, appreciate you being here and, and love these conversations. And again, if you guys are making it this far on the podcast... Appreciate you. Oh, um, bless you. And yeah, and, yeah. I'll and again, you a like Christmas card. You must really. <laughs> enjoy, like, this is... Yeah. So so coming back to a central adiposity, 
Again, yeah. visceral fat, uh, you, you mentioned some of those body shapes that are pretty obvious. We're talking about the pear shape, if you will. And again, just love handles. Um, I, I, there's a lot of hormonal implications. Like you said, there's, there's a lot of uh, gut, intestinal, metabolic, all these different implications. So um, come, uh, yeah, do it, man. You have the mic, I'm, I'm, I'm shutting up. Yeah, so I, I think that, again, I think Bo touched on something that was, that was really nice is really looking at this whole thing as treating yourself as an experiment is a probably a great way to be in the mindset for entry into this. And I don't think that I talk to anyone about diet unless I first talk to them about digestion. And so this is something we covered in the first two podcasts, podcasts quite a bit, but I haven't found a better algorithm than Dr. Ruscio's Healthy Gut, Healthy You, which I'm not giving away anything that's not kind of spoken out there, but definitely just go by the book. But in general, starting with a little bit of a fast, just to kind of like reset yourself, then moving into a paleo, seeing how you respond to that. If you respond to that well, great, continue with the paleo, but now start to see how well you work with, uh, with fermentable foods. So that's what you may or may not have heard by this point is uh, FODMAPs. Like they're starting to get more press because in the IBS community, they're definitely being looked to therapeutically more, but they're not just for people with IBS. It's not, it is worth someone finding out if they starve some of the bacteria in their small intestine, which fermentable foods feed some of the bacteria that are in your small intestine. And so if you end up having highly fermentable foods, you're feeding that microbiome through there, which may or may not need a little bit of trimming, we'll say. So, yeah, I, I, I don't mean to cut off too much of your momentum there, because, again, I love all the things you're saying. I just wanted to say, because this reminded me of a recent uh, conversation I had of a group of guys that someone jumped in and said, hey, Bo, what do you think of prebiotics and probiotics? And, you know, I just had to respond like the usual answer is it depends. So it depends. And that's the experimentation. And again, to say anything like everyone should be on probiotics or everyone should be on vitamin D, which may be true, um, more or less. But but again, it's it's irresponsible and and. I, again, I don't want to uh, overgeneralize. However, this is again to that concept of Peloton or whatever, the, the big picture. When people start talking about or thinking about, and this is what I'm thinking about as you're talking about these big concepts around nutrition especially, is most people say, I want to find a registered dietitian. I want to find a nutritionist. And again, to me, in my experience, there are very few and far between quality folks that I would truly listen to. And functional medicine is almost like non-existent in the grand scheme of things, where again, that should be much bigger. I think we can, you and I can agree on. Um, but but yeah, I, again, coming back to that big picture, I think it's important to me and, and, and to justify my pessimism. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's just, again, I hear people say they, they, they spoke with a registered dietitian and I wanna be optimistic and give the benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, okay, well, what do they say? Like, you know, I'm curious, what was the recommendation? And again, sometimes, and in hospitals, this is, we're talking about systems that you get diagnosed with diabetes and you're told you can have that cake, have the chocolate cake, don't change anything you're doing, just have an extra shot of insulin to manage because your body no longer makes insulin. So just take that external insulin and make sure you do that and you're gonna balance out that chocolate cake versus saying, 
maybe don't eat that chocolate cake until we're, you know, a few steps down the road. Anyway, my pessimism, yeah, it, optimism. And if people are looking for, and this is something I will hopefully, one of these times I'll say, hey, I actually finished their whole protocol, but Integrated Functional Nutrition Academy is a group of dietitians that were that worked as dietitians for quite some time and then fell into functional medicine. Like used to work with the original, like Dr. Bland, like the absolute starters of functional medicine. And they've more or less, because functional medicine has a lot of lab values and things like that. If you want to work with someone, look for, go to Integrated Functional Nutrition Academy. You can find them online and look for someone like that. And look for, if you if you really want to see a function, a registered dietitian, there is a lot of them that have been trained using functional medicine principles. That might be somewhere where that person would want to start. And I hear what you're saying. I think functional medicine always knew the digestion and the gut was incredibly important mm -hmm. and they were looking at that before anyone else was so right. i think they are further advanced in some of the textbooks that may be yeah. treating or maybe teaching other health professionals about diet so just a long story short with that for someone who has central adiposity it's worth walking through that paleo okay paleo didn't help so ditch it try just low fodmap see where you land or paleo that did help Try a combo paleo low FODMAP, mm -hmm. see where you're at. Two or three weeks each of them. You don't have to ride this forever. You're going to know, find out what your symptoms are. It's not whether you uh, whether you enjoy the food or anything like that. Like whatever your symptoms are that you think maybe for you it's it's the waistline or it's something with the skin or it's right. something mentally that's yeah. going on. Just I, I talk about it. Markers. I talk about it and I'll give again Rob Wolf credit here of yeah. how do you look, feel, and perform on top of if you can add the whoop strap or the aura ring like you're oh, wearing or any of that stuff or if we want to be really fancy we could do blood work but at the end of the day yeah. you know this has been one of my goals for at this point 10 years is as apps became a thing or whatever it, it, it's i wanted to create an app that allows you to set what you want to look at which whoop does somewhat um yeah. but you you set an experiment n equals one in, in uh, research speak means you're experimenting on one person, yourself, right? So, so and then what are we looking at and saying, yeah, if I changed, I, I just put blackout curtains finally in, in our bedroom here. That. You have a nice little bump. Yeah, so, so that's the thing is like, and we can track and see, because um, again, if the sun's waking me up, great. Maybe I should be waking up with the sun. However, if I can sleep a little longer, sleep a little deeper, uh, that, that again, I can look at that metric and say, okay, now I've been consistently being better again, recovering from, uh, pneumonia specifically, not necessarily COVID, but pneumonia, uh, as I'm getting my lung function back, I'm able to look at what supplements I'm taking, which workouts I'm doing. Does it matter if I'm doing cardio four times a week, or if I'm doing 20 minutes or 40 minutes or, or whatever it is. So bottom line is, um, yeah, coming back, back to what you're saying is, um, I think it's vital to have these conversations to, again, let folks know that there are so and, and, and sorry, I'm, I'm going to be selfish again, come back to my TED talk of how do we change the freaking world? How do we change fitness? How do we change healthcare? Right. And, and that's what we're talking about. To some extent, again, it, it's you have your practice. I have my practice. Uh, I think we're both available virtually, right? You're available virtually. For yeah, folks, I'm still so. taking virtual pay. I'm not taking anyone new in person, but I am taking Mondays and Fridays. I still have a couple of spots for virtual. 
Yeah. So bottom line is, again, coming back to that big picture, how do we change things, is understanding that there's better practitioners out there. Uh, I, we don't, we want you to stop wasting your time. And, and again, not to pick on something like the chiropractic profession. And I've taken a few shots at these guys before. Um, and I've had a few chiropractors on, on here as well, uh, to have these deeper conversations. But again, if you're saying Dr. Steve, the chiropractor is great. Um, and again, I've been going in for 10 years and anytime I have a little back pain, I go in, he cracks my back. I feel good. I go back next week. You know, whatever it is, like if you're never addressing the root cause, you're just kicking the can down the road. Again, you're not putting money into your physical retirement plan for 30 years from now. You're just, in fact, continuing to pay money to just have, it's like your car keeps breaking down. Are you going to take it to the mechanic every time? Or are you going to start putting like the right mileage in and driving it better? And like, if you have a, you know, automatic or sorry, a manual and you start learning how to drive it better. So you stop damaging it. Or again, the, the fun analogy with the car that I like, again, I'll give Kelly Starrett credit here is uh, driving with the emergency brake on the whole time. Yeah. If you drive with the emergency brake on for, you know, a road trip, like you're going to, you're going to do some damage to your car, um, you know, or you have wheels that are, you know, off balance or uh, whatever. Like these are things that are doing damage. Anyway, I'm getting too, I'm getting too crazy, man. I'm very caffeinated right now. Um, crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one of us, dear listeners, one of us is caffeinated. One of us is not. <laughs> <laughs> Drop it in the comments below who you think might be or might not be. Yeah. So. Which brings us to satiety. Ooh. Let's just go with it. Yeah. yeah total. And I think that- Smooth transition. Yeah, exactly. Nailed it, Steve. So I think, I mean, we learned, I learned calories in, calories out. Did you learn calories in, calories out? Like, was kind of like what mattered when I was in phys in college. It was just calories in, calories out. Your basal metabolic rate like shift. Thermodynamics, but- yeah. Yeah, like it's pretty. It's been around for a while. It's getting hate on right now, and I understand that. And I and I actually, by the people that are hating on, like the if I say seco, that's calories in, calories out. So if like people that are hating on seco, I, I I actually really understand what they're saying, and I think it's quite valuable because they're not saying that it doesn't matter. They're just trying to say that there's more to the story. I'm gonna jump in real quick and say, in my experience, especially recently. Uh, speaking, and again, I've really enjoyed being in Colorado. I want to, I want to re-emphasize that despite the horror-ish story I told of all the crazy stuff that happened. There was more, by the way, there was a lot more. There was a crazy car accident thing. This lady tried to like drive down the wrong, anyway, all sorts of crazy stuff. But what I've noticed out here, again, speaking to a lot of folks, they're very health oriented. And again, so active people move out here because they want to be able to have access to the mountains and skiing and all this fun stuff. So I think to the seco, right? Because again, thermodynamics is absolutely a law. And and again, calories in, calories out is a law. However, people take that to the extreme. And then you talk about satiety and I, I'm, you might've been going there here. So I'm, I apologize for cutting into it, but people go to, I, you're going to have to restrict and only have 1200 calories because you know, your basal metabolic rate, which is how much you burn by existing let alone if you do an hour of cardio. Okay, cool. Now you've burned uh, 2,500 calories today. Awesome. And if you've only taken in 1,200 calories, you're going to lose weight really fast. However, this is not sustainable. There are hormonal implications. There are psychological implications. Uh, again, to restrict, and the I've, and we see this on Biggest Loser as an amazing experiment, and I think that it should be, be, be in a textbook of, of like <laughs> as an experiment 
of almost everyone who came out of Biggest Loser, and I would love to have like a little bit more documented research around this, but almost everyone that I understand anecdotally came out of Biggest Loser. They lost the weight. They went from 400 to 180 pounds in whatever the show, you know, however long the show was, three months or whatever. And the majority of them gain it all back. Of course. Because they, it, it, it's great to have Jillian Michaels in your face yelling at you on national television, calling you whatever, a fatty. And, you know, I think they might have gotten rid of language like that now. But, like, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's very, it works in the moment. And you, you, you have yeah. this very high motivation and you have whatever it is, a million dollars sitting there if you lose the most weight. Um, but again, it's not real life. It's not, real life. It's not realistic. Um, anyway, but calories in, calories out. I wanted to go on that quick diatribe about, uh, because I'm so caffeinated, be, uh, but about yeah. <laughs> about the fact that, yeah, it's, it's not realistic. And again, we're going to do so much better feeding you the right amount. You talk about satiety and I'm going to jump ahead and say... I focus with a lot of folks on having enough protein. And so again, for me, satiety, satiety <laughs> partly satiety, but also there's a calories in calories out component because it's really hard work to get 150 ca uh, grams of protein, right? And again, that's probably under what I should be getting per se because I'm a pretty active dude. But if I get 150 grams of protein, it's hard. I'm going to be full. And, and if you go and do the math right now, uh, figure out how, like what 150 grams of protein looks like, you're going to see a lot of food and on, it's only 600 calories. So when people say only 1200 calories and they're like, oh, well this, you know, uh, whatever Oreo snack pack is only hundred calories. Like that's very different than having five eggs, a five egg omelet, which is about 30 grams of protein, which is only 120 grams or sorry, calories. I'm jumping around with all my, my things here, but 120 calories. Uh, and so again, we're now like in a very different world of understanding nutrition of what we're focusing on. Um, and at the end of the day to, to one other thing you said about folks arguing when it comes down to it, people are arguing about, you know, uh, vegan versus animal based versus plant based versus all these different things and keto and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, it's amazing. Cause I actually saw this at an ancestral health symposium. I don't know if you used to watch those videos, um, or, or attended any of those, but uh, again, they, they were kind of off the paleo, primal, whatever, uh, talking to these, like, how do we get people to eat better based on these concepts of like going back to our genetics, which you've talked about a number of times uh, through here. And so uh, a really good talk was at the end of the day, when you look at most diets, they agree on 95% of stuff. Eat real food. If you can't pronounce it, just you, leave it there. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, but then, okay, cool. We live in a real world. You need yeah. some processed stuff. If you can't read more than one of the ingredients, because it's dimethyletabidabudu, um, like, yeah, we don't eat that. So anyway, uh, I, I did want to go on that quick, again, sorry, pa uh, you know, tangent to say, uh, again, it's it, 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 calories in, calories out is something, so, since we were talking about that, of, of it just, a lot of these concepts get oversimplified. And, and that's where we go wrong, I think. And, and that's where, again, guys like us and conversations like this. And again, I, I can't wait until something like Joe Rogan, like, you know, because that's he's getting a million, couple of million views versus, you know, however many I'm getting here. But but yeah, it, it's when do we when do we get that conversation into the ether? When do we get it into the popular culture? When do we have our own biggest loser show? that and and i'll say real quick last thing i'm gonna say and then i'll let you go um and and we are we are we are on pretty good time but we can we can push this to the next one um 
one of my high school football teammates actually became a personal trainer. He was a competitive bodybuilder. He had a show at the height of Biggest Loser. Biggest Loser was in the second, third season. Very popular. Uh, Bravo tried to create a show, and he was one of the personal trainers on it, where they had them. Uh, they, they basically were trying to do this the right way to build habits. They, they took them to a camp uh, where they you know took them and started the weight loss journey or fat loss journey, if you will. And then they started to bring them back home, whatever, three times a week and still in the camp four times a week. So there's this, still this level of intensity. And then eventually the last month, they're all at home. And, the, and, and my friend Dale here is checking in with them, oh, you know, cool. and, 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 but they're going to the supermarket. They're showing them how to shop. So anyway, it, it wasn't anywhere near as popular as Biggest Loser yeah, and the theatrics of it, unfortunately. So they, they never picked it up, but that was, but that's the thing is how do we find these deeper, meaningful conversations, these nuances? Do we just keep looking for that kind of confirmation bias almost or the, the survivorship, if you will, of we need to find folks who are willing to make these changes and or who are on the verge of this stuff? Again, because I talk about the, the person who's in the gym every day or whatever, three times a week or five times a week, and they're just doing the elliptical or they're just doing the basic circuit. Maybe they tried personal training. Maybe they're on Peloton five times a week. But how do we get them to that next level where, again, we're, we're talking about? Anyway, that's my bigger question. That's where my TED Talk's kind of going. So that's my random rambling. Sorry for dominating. Was, you. Yeah, no, that's I, – I think I think you covered what I was going to say is <laughs> kind of cracking the code for yourself to get to satiety and satiation with the least amount of calories. And everyone's a little bit different. Maybe protein's a little bit more for you. A lot of people, I think protein is so other people dropping an extra half an avocado in there, throwing a whole avocado into something can turn that from a three hour meal to a five hour meal and, and trying to be aware of how your body feels in the moment when you're eating it mm -hmm. right afterwards. And then I almost push people to, to think about how they feel approaching their next meal. Does mm -hmm. it feel like oh my God, I gotta eat right. my next meal. Maybe that wasn't, maybe you need a little more fat. Maybe you need like a little bit of a softer landing coming in yeah. through the, and seeing how that ends up interacting with it. Again, we're all just, I'm not saying I have the answer, but I think that with a little bit of awareness and some experimentation, the person can figure it out for themselves and land at something that's not gonna be a research article said that you need. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you're different. And it's different if you've been active that day. And I think that that's something that you would agree with me on too. Your body responds to carbs very differently if you're post-exercise or if you've been sitting around on the couch all day. And you really want to have those nice smooth glides. And I don't know if you've experimented with this, but the next thing that I probably do, Dad, that I want to play with is a continuous glucose mm. monitor. But with that being said, I feel like I have a pretty good sense. Yeah. I'm sitting around on the couch all day and I have a bowl of white rice. I will go up and I will come down. Well, and if I've worked out hard, mm -hmm. I just kind of ride through. I feel like my glycogen is getting restored in my muscles. Everything's <laughs> good. Maybe my liver gets filled back up and we're good and we're golden. So Rob Wolf, uh, this is, it was a bit of an evolution on his, 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 cause the first book he came out with his paleo solution, which was very mm -hmm. revolutionary. And again, you talk yeah. about this in, um, uh, sorry, healthy gut, healthy, was born from, yeah. healthy gut, healthy you, Whole30 that a lot more people might be familiar with. 
Um, I do need, we do need to wrap up actually on my end here. So I uh, will, we'll, we'll, uh, again, I feel bad about dominating, but I feel like we can have 30 more of these. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, what I wanted to say about that real quick is, is so paleo solution was his first book. And then his second book, wired to eat a little bit of the evolution. He talks about similar to that protocol, uh, that you're talking about in healthy gut, healthy you. He talks about doing the 30 day paleo ish challenge, if you will, of eliminating, uh, grains, legumes, and dairy, as those are three of the most inflammatory foods that we are familiar with. So mm -hmm. trying to eliminate that, clean your system out, again, whatever we want to call that. But then he talks about now that your system's a little healthier, maybe metabolically more accurate. So again, for Steve here, I'm guessing, uh, again, hopefully he's in a relatively healthy state. He talks about doing, you don't even need the continuous glucose monitor, but you can just do like the, the blood prick if yeah. you want, or the finger prick. Yeah. Um, and he and his wife did this and he, he basically talks about doing this for like a week and checking how do you respond to sweet potatoes? How do you respond to white rice? How do you respond to a banana? And so then you can go down this deeper experimentation and him and his wife had almost opposite effects and a lot of that has to do with genetics, metabolic health. Rob specifically shares his story and he, he was like on the verge of death and having his bowels removed from all the disease kind of that he had growing up in the not, health, not the healthiest uh, food environments, things like that. So anyway, my caffeine's calming down. Um, but yeah, I did wanna re-emphasize the fact that, uh, again, there's a lot of magic and, and experimentation and really cool concepts that we're touching on that again, I feel like need their own hours or <laughs> of podcasts. And again, so many different places that they touch on it. So uh, I'm, I'm gonna swing it back to you and, and see if you had any closing thoughts. Uh, again, we touched on, I think a, a lot of these cool concepts of central adiposity, again, that kind of visceral fat around the belly, um, waist to hip ratio, which is one of the best measurements, I think agreeing with you on that's a measurement that if you have, you look at, again, some, sometimes you can just see it on someone just from photos and things like that. But uh, yeah, if you can really track that and see how, again, a month of this type of food or doing no alcohol, people, you know, do no alcohol for a month and, and, oh, look, my, like, you know, some, some people walk away from that and are like, eh, I kind of miss alcohol. Uh, other people, if you measure that waist to hip ratio and you're like, oh, it actually improved like 10%. And it's something you maybe you wouldn't have noticed if you're a relatively leaner guy. Um, but anyway, what you got for us? Closing thoughts. Yeah, I think we touched on most of it. But I think the the one thing just to to go back that digestion, when your digestion's not right, there is more of a chance of permeability, which you need permeability in your intestines. Don't get me wrong. But over permeability, which Le is leaky gut. Leaky gut, which yeah. for some reason, you know, gets people <laughs> triggered in some words, but um, increased permeability of the membranes of your digestive system. I don't think you can disagree with the way I phrase that. <laughs> it is tied to an imbalance in the bacteria mm. or also small intestinal fungal overgrowth, like CFO, parasites, things like that. There's a lot of reasons, but doing things to make all of that better and restoring that permeability because there is, and it's not like you can go on PubMed and get a ton of research, but there is some research that lends that part of that might actually be because of increased permeability in your gut. Now take the other side, and we already talked about satiety, satiation and carbs and proteins and fats. I think we can kind of leave that where it is like get to 
satiety and satiation with as few calories as possible. Like have that be your goal, not just like, I'm going to have 500 less calories because if Uh you do that, eventually it's going to lock up and you're going to be in a tailspin and you'll probably end up where you were. But stress, like cortisol is probably the other hormone that people don't talk about when they're talking about that area of the body not being right. And I think part of the reason that people don't necessarily talk about, I think it's kind of twofold. One is if you end up having cortisol injected, you can't inject like cortisol, but if there's elevated cortisol levels, it increases gut permeability. So if that's something you're already dealing with and you dose a whole bunch of stress on there, so your body releases cortisol, the cortisol will make that permeable membrane even more permeable or that already too permeable membrane even more permeable. And that's something that people need to think about. The other side is taking us, I mean, we are just kind of fancy animals. Think about if you are under stress, you would want to store energy, but you also want to get away. And I haven't heard this is kind of an original thought, but I'm not saying I'm the first person to think of it. I'm just saying that I haven't heard someone else say this, but let's say Bo, that you wanted to run as far as you possibly could from me, but you wanted to stash as much energy as possible. Are you going to run and carry all of that extra energy in your hands and in your arms? Or would you love to put a 40 pound weight vest? Cause you can actually run with that. And that's what I think genetically our bodies are doing when we're very cortisol, which means that we're under stress. Our body is saying, Hey, I don't want to give any energy away. I want you to have this, but I'm not going to put it out in your arms and your legs because that's going to slow you down. I'm going to put it all right here, right by your center of mass so that you can still move, run and get away. And then you'll have this little treasure trove when we get where we're safe. And that's, I think, something that people don't think about as well as enough is that that central adiposity can be related to that cortisol, not just because of permeability, but because of the way that your body would have stored that fat when you were an animal and you were running to survive. What say you? 100% agree. Um, I want to go down the path of more more what cortisol means, adrenal fatigue, terms like that. But Again, I'm, I'm running up on time and I, yeah, this is, great. yeah. <laughs> no, but I a hundred percent agree and it makes sense. And again, the more folks understand these, uh, whatever we want to call them, simple ish concepts, um, you know, they're, they're, they're right there in front of us and it's just, they get complicated. They get, uh, again, all over the place and then they get simplified in the wrong way. Yeah. Again, coming down to like only eat 1200 calories. That's my solution for you. No, like we need to understand why, how does that affect cortisol? Are you under stress? Are you breathing right? All these other concepts. So anyway, I a hundred percent love it, agree with it. And, and again, I'd love to uh, lock you down for the next yeah. uh, <laughs> part of this. We didn't even, you sent me like five other things that we were going to talk well, about. I'm ready. But I see, no, that, I, see, I, see it's, I see it's getting dark where you are though. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's still super bright over here. It gets bright over here like until 9 p.m. By the way, is, very, today might be solstice, so this might be oh, a, is it? or yesterday or whatever. Who knows? I don't know. Yep. I don't know. I, I haven't been paying attention. The Colorado <laughs> weather is just insane. So literally, like today's our there's been it's been like 90 degrees for the last week every day, and today it's that like the high is like 65. So it's kind of nice. Anyway. Um, my dude, give us one more um, refresher on where folks can come and find you. Uh, and, yeah, you and know, work with. In, even though I'm kind of like Instagram is at I isn't in, in, in I for integrated. 
health sciences ending with an S. I feel like I'm supposed to say that because iHealth Science is like a totally other website that you will end up <laughs> buying supplements from may or may not kill you. It is definitely not from this country. Um, but yeah, iHealth Sciences. The other thing is if anything really like grabbed you here, just go on our website, sign up for the mailing list. Again, it's iHealthSciences.com. Sign up for the newsletter because as more and more things come out, one, you'll get a free ebook with that, which is great. covers a lot of this stuff. Two, as I learn, you'll learn. And I think that's all we are ever looking for out of the people yeah. that we interact with is I want students because I'm a student. So let's be students together. Yeah. That's another one of my pessimistic things I'm going to end off with is, uh, <laughs> is, is, again, folks like us who are curious, who believe in science, who want to keep learning, who show that like we don't have all the answers we're we don't come across with that same confidence of <laughs> this is the way 1200 mm -hmm. calories is the way people Dogmatic buy that confidence yeah. yeah and anyway that there's been a lot of quotes about that stuff of of unfortunately you know the people who know the most uh have the least confidence basically because they know enough that you know it's the whole dunning kruger effect anyway uh yeah. i'm gonna leave it off on that pessimism um <laughs> Unless you cool. wanted to balance it out with some kind of positive. Uh, how's the surfing? You still surfing? Yeah, man. Great. I got shot go. like go. twice. I didn't make it out the other side, but I actually got into two barrels Ooh. in the last like month or two. So Ooh. yeah, pretty badass. Nice. Nice. We'll cool. leave it off yeah. on that positive note. Exactly. And uh, no, really appreciate you being here. We're going to sign off. Uh, folks know where to find him. Again, if you made it all the way here, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a comment, rating, review, all that good stuff helps it grow. Spread the word. Again, this, we, we covered so many powerful, positive things. Uh, if, we, if I don't put all the books and, and links in the comments, uh, feel free to yell at me. And, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep working on that. And we're going to sign off. Again, peace out. You can stay on. We'll chat.